All right, welcome back to another episode of D Pod, and uh, today we're gonna have another BTS session. All right, BTS, but we're gonna have Tofumi on. Hello, Hello Tofumi. Hi, everyone. So Tofumi has been on so far uh, as my co-host, interviewing me for different things. But today, uh, we're gonna kind of turn it around and find out a little bit more about Tof's story. Um, but we're gonna do this a little differently because uh, so far we've been kind of just. Uh, exploring people's uh, faith journeys, but I, I think mm-hmm. we also wanted to get into kind of more specific topics, mm. uh, topics that um, different staff are passionate about, um, have thoughts about. And um, as I was picking uh, Tove's brain, um, <laughs> the the topics that came up today, uh, w- hopefully we'll get to both, are <laughs> exercise, yeah. exercise, and uh, and money, yeah, and money. Yeah. All right, Important so those topics. are important topics um, in Christian life. And so we will talk about kind of toast experiences with that. And then I'll also uh, kind of chime in with some of my experiences and yeah. hopefully um, it'll be a fruitful discussion. So, but hey, just to start, um, I did want to hear a little bit about your spiritual background. So yeah. Tof, why don't you just kind of tell us uh, what was the journey like for you uh, spiritually? Where did you start? And then how, how did you become Christian? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so Tofumi here. Um, yeah, when, whenever I try to s- share my story, I'm not really sure where to start exactly, but I'll just start from the beginning briefly. I was born in Detroit in Michigan, Mercy Hospital. Uh, my parents uh, were here in the U.S. when they had me as a baby. Right after I was born, I moved back to Nigeria, and that's where I actually did um, all my school, K-12, before coming back to America for college. Um, so growing up in Nigeria, my parents, both Christian, um, we went to church all the while growing up. And so when I was in first grade or so, my parents separated. Um, so my mom had left. And so my dad was in custody of my brother and I. So we were living with him from the point when I was six or seven uh, through for most of the rest of my life, actually, until high school. Um, but while we were with my dad, my dad was pretty active in church. He was actually a deacon um, in church. So he was, um, in church leadership. So my brother and I would go to church every Sunday too. Um, so we went to Sunday schools, um, through elementary school and partly into middle school. Um, but then I think when I started to get into middle school, I had started to have some questions about Christianity. Um, but primarily I was looking at it through the lens of how, like, even though, the gospel or like the claims of Christianity seem to have a lot of claims on how people's behavior should change, like becoming like, not like the world being more loving and caring towards one another. I didn't really see that happening in the church. And so I just kind of felt like, Hey, like this is kind of inconsistent with the message that I'm hearing in Sunday. Cause people were still, you know, pretty, um, whether it was stingy with money, um, or mean towards each other, um, for like a better way to phrase it. Um, I just kind of, well, felt uncomfortable with that inconsistency that I saw. I think also too, in thinking back to like my parents' relationship, I kind of felt like, Hey, like, you know, if this gospel that we say we preach has teeth to it, um, then why wouldn't you be able to reconcile your differences with each other, um, and show compassion and forgiveness and come back together as opposed to, you know, staying separated and ultimately getting divorced. So I think as a result of all those things, I kind of was throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. Like, Hey, like if Christianity doesn't actually have the power to change people, then maybe I should just not go with this. I'm gonna kind of figure out meaning of life for myself. 
Um, so that's kind of where I was at in middle school, going into high school. I think also juxtaposed with that was that I was starting to get more popular at school. Um, Ooh. <laughs> nice. I was starting to get more popular at school. Um, yeah, part of it was academically. I don't know if it's like I just leveled up or something in my mind, but I started to pick up on stuff a lot more. I was doing better at school. Then also I was getting more into music. So I did a lot of stuff where I would like remix popular songs and perform at school events. And so um, for a while there, I was kind of like, oh, I want to I wanna be like a musician, like when I get out of high school, just because I really liked the attention that I was getting from that um, and the acknowledgement I was getting from people and the popularity. It was kind of all like going to my head and kind of felt like, hey, this is actually pretty awesome. I think it was at that point where I would say I kind of started to have a bit of a naturalistic worldview in the sense of like, oh, hey, like maybe what it means to be happy is to just maximize my pleasure, like in terms of accomplishment here on earth, in terms of acknowledgement from people, in terms of physical um, satisfaction too. I just kind of felt like, okay, hey, like this actually seems to be what's satisfying. So why don't I just make my life about pursuing that? So that's kind of the spot that I was in um, coming into college. All through this time, though, because my parents were so active in church, I still went on to go to Sunday school and stuff like that with them. But I would basically just kind of tune out like every single Sunday when I was in church. And when I, I resolved that when I got to college, I would just completely stop going to church altogether. So that's kind of where I was at coming into college. Mm. So, so, so you kind of were stepping away in your heart mm-hmm. like from the faith, and um, and. So at that time, what, what what would you say you were like living for or kind of what, what was driving you then? Yeah, so I think what was driving me then was this idea that, hey, like if, you know, Christianity is not true as I resolve to believe and there's no God, then the natural conclusion is that we should be made to just maximize our pleasure um, here in this life as much as you can. So I wasn't really thinking that much about like death or the future or anything like that. So I was primarily just being driven by maximizing pleasure. And so I felt that just in the moment, in the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I kind of decided that the best way to do that would be to, you know, become more popular, but also to have a lot of money Mm -hmm. um, to be able to kind of fund that kind of life where I could just um, maximize my experiences and and pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So then what changed? So you come in, so Mm -hmm. we just kind of stopped. At yeah. college, so what changed from there? Yeah, so I think coming in at college, so again, I went to high school in Nigeria, so K through 12, I was all there. And coming into college, I was in a completely new environment in Los Angeles. I started a college at UCLA, and so I had to kind of start over a little bit, like make new friends, obviously, and get acclimated to life in the United States. I felt like pretty in touch with the United States culture just because I was so into like American media through music and tv shows and stuff like that but it was a bit of an adjustment um but yeah like i mentioned earlier i just decided i was not gonna go to church anymore so i instantly like kind of threw myself into the college scene and all that connotes so like the party culture i really jumped right into that and i also threw myself into like academics trying to make um a name for myself there kind of in the hopes that yeah if i could keep like a high gpa and do really well at school that would guarantee me a lucrative position after college Mm. But it was kind of like, yeah, I would work hard during the weeks and then I would like party on the weekends um, and, you know, kind of go into each week, like kind of reeling a little bit from like the weekends activities and stuff. So that was kind of my life for the first quarter of school. Mm-hmm. But I think what kind of changed over time was um, I actually took this class called the Evolution of the Cosmos my first quarter at UCLA. 
And it was basically a look at like the scientific perspective of the development of the, the universe over time. And I think um, that class was actually like kind of pivotal for me because I never learned about evolution before coming to America. Well, the idea that the universe that we live in is like however old uh, that it is. But I think as I went through that class um, and I kind of saw like the development of like, you know, our solar system and earth from the scale of time. I kind of thought like, oh my gosh, like, you know, if this is like, you know, how long like the earth has been here for and my lifespan is only going to be like, you know, 80 to 100 years or whatever, like how can I possibly say my life is significant against that backdrop of like the passage of time? Like as soon as I die, probably within a few decades, like no one's going to know who I was or care at all about who I was. I think that really like sobered me up. Like it was so interesting. Like in this class, people are probably learning about stuff they've known since high school, but I'm kind of sitting there like, whoa, like, wow. hey, if this is true, like how can we all like, you know, be comfortable like with thinking this life is all that there is. This is ex extremely depressing. Mm. And it sounds kind of weird because like, you know, I kind of resolved earlier in high school, like, yeah, sure, there's no God. So I'm just going to live for, for pleasure since that's the case. But this class kind of had me for the first time struggling with the implications of that. Mm. Like, hey, if life ends, like, in the natural world, like, yeah, how can we say our lives here on Earth have any significance at all? Mm. So I think that really made me feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so I think how I responded to that initially was to just pour myself even harder into what I was doing, mm. kind of numb myself to the thought of those things, like, pursue academics more, pursue, like, central experiences more. And, yeah, I, I think as I did that more and more over the course of my first um, quarter at school coming into the second quarter I felt pretty exhausted actually like kind of like oh man like you know I'm trying to live this way because I don't want to face the reality of you know my 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 demise and like the whole passage of time thing um, but it feels really inconsistent with what I found out to be true that hey if I die and like you know this life is all that there is then I can't possibly have lived a meaningful life is kind of what I was feeling mm -hmm. um, so I think at that point in time I started to think okay like you know, if there is actually more to life, I want to try to figure out what that is. Um, so that's when I first got open to it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So that's super interesting because um, it's 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 this experience of coming up against something that's so much bigger than you. Yeah. Right. Like in in this case, the universe. Yeah. Right. So so even though it's physical, it's just this physical entity. It's mm -hmm. just the the magnitude of it and and just how small you are in comparison kind of humbles you in a yeah. way. Right. And and the word we might use is it's it's awe it's like awesome exactly. right we're, we're full of yeah. awe and we're 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 kind of diminished but in, in kind of a uh, the right way like exactly causes us to see ourselves clearly mm -hmm. and um and and so people have that with you know nature and mm -hmm. and then sometimes people have that with God like the the concept of God himself exactly right? like the holiness of God and you see how small and how wretched you are mm -hmm. compared to that so it's that experience that then that. I think that experience we would say is actually pointing towards God, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's super interesting that you had that response. Um, yeah. So yep. then, yeah, so then from there, mm -hmm. like, how'd you get connected to our, our church? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the story? Yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't mention this yet, but coming into college, like in UCLA, like most colleges, you have like the random roommate system. So I actually had a random roommate as well named Amir, Amir Tixiria, and he was actually a Christian. Um, so we were random roommates through fall quarter and throughout fall quarter, he would actually try to share like the gospel with me and encourage me to, you know, keep, like continue going to church and to seek God. 
But in my mind coming in, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to get away from church and I get that and I get a Christian <laughs> get roommate. A Christian, <laughs> yeah. a Christian guy who's sharing the gospel. Exactly. Oh, I was good, like, for, good for him. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. yeah, so I think um yeah, when that happened initially, I was like totally just tuning him out and just continue to try to live the life that I wanted to live. Um I think as I got went through that whole period of being sobered up um by what you were describing, the sense of awe at realizing how small I was relative to you know, like the universe and all the time that's come before me, I began, I began to be a bit more open uh, to what he was sharing with me, basically. Um, that kind of hit like this point where I'm like, Hey, like, you know, like I don't really have an answer to this longing. I feel in my heart. I don't have, I don't have an answer for it. So I thought, okay, maybe I should actually consider what he's actually saying to me. And then he shared a lot with me actually about like the nature of God creation, but more so how, um, like this kind of void I'm feeling in my heart, like this eternal longing, as the Bible describes it, comes from a place of realizing like, hey, like I was actually made for a relationship with God. But the reason um, that I'm cut off from that is because I've sinned, like against people here on earth, obviously, but primarily against God. And the source of like that kind of restlessness I was feeling with everyday life and this discontent with my life, but also the guilt I was feeling from some of the things I was doing was because of that severed relationship with with God. That was the first time I'd actually heard it explained to me that way. I, I kind of just viewed sin as just like this list of wrongdoing um, that we should avoid because it would make this deity in the sky, like, you know, mad at you. But I didn't really think about it relationally before. And I kind of felt like, oh, wow, like I've never thought about it in that sense. So I think I re- was really wrestling with that at this time. But I was also still living like the way I was before um, to just bring that up again. So I was still like, you know, mm. working hard at school and like doing the whole party scene and stuff. And there was a low point, I think, my spring quarter where I kind of was like, had a pigsty moment where I was like, oh man, like, I can't believe this just happened. Hey God, like, you know, if you're actually, I was in by my own in my room one night and I was like, God, you know, if you're real, I just want you to reveal yourself to me mm-hmm. like in a, like in a powerful way so I can just turn to you because I don't think I can keep living like this basically. That's kind of where I was at. Um, and I think that, yeah, after that, I'm not really sure what the next few steps were, but I just kind of like, I think that was probably the first time where I really like repented of, you know, my sin and decided to turn back to, to Jesus. Cause after that, I think my life just started to, to change. Like, I think for the first thing, like my desire to have all those like sensual experiences and do all the like party scene stuff kind of went away like overnight. Um, and I started to be more curious about like God's words. So I would read God's word on my own with my roommate Amir. And I think, um, a few days kind of after I kind of realized like what had happened and I made that like official like commitment, uh, to give my life to Jesus. So it was all through my roommate's evangelism actually that, that all that happened. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do you still keep in contact with Amir? Yeah, I do. He was at my wedding as well. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't come to our church, right? He doesn't, not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, if Amir, you're li- listening to this, <laughs> thank you for uh, sharing the sharing your faith with us. Uh, yeah. Like, I found out later, actually, um, after I became Christian, that he, Amir told me that he had been praying for me, like, every single night. Wow. Yeah, like, he'd just leave our dorm and go to the laundry room and just pray for me, like, every single night there. Mm. And every single night, I kind of wonder, like, why he always left at the same time. Like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, like, where, yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. is he going off to? But yeah. I realized that's what he was doing. Wow, um, wow, wow. that I'd become more open to the gospel and, and turn back wow. to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I find that so, um, I find that so inspiring. And so, 
uh, so moving because, yeah, you know, I, I talk with our students here at UChicago and, you know, some of them ask me about like sharing their faith with their friends. They have a lot of friends who are not believers and like, what can I do? And mm -hmm. I, I think here's a story of, you know, a fr someone, mm -hmm. just a roommate who, who took a chance and, yeah. and, uh, and you find out later he's that he was actually even daily praying for right you know, like yeah. and, and just, just that kind of faithfulness and mm -hmm. who knows like who knows maybe he prayed and prayed and maybe you nothing happened mm -hmm. but in at least your case you know god answered that prayer yeah right and and maybe amir was discouraged at times and sure. you know, talking to you but then <laughs> little did you know that god was actually working in your heart right and, yeah and you just needed that time to get to a place where you were spiritually mm -hmm. open yeah and then, and then boom, like you were, you were able to kind of make that decision to follow. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's a really neat story. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. You might've told me before. <laughs> Maybe I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've shared it like yeah, that yeah. before. Yeah. Okay. I'm so thankful for Amir as well. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Like I know like it was probably like intimidating to you to share the gospel, like relatively constantly with this guy who was just, you know, tuning him out and blowing him off every yeah. single time. <laughs> yes. I really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For taking that step. Mm -hmm. Um, of faith to try to share with me. So yeah. So how I then ended up coming to our church was that, um, at the end of that school year, um, I think I was like on a real like spiritual high, mm. like kind of realized like, Oh wow. Like, you know, God is real. Like there's purpose in my life. And that is to like, you know, know God walk with him and share this like faith that I've received with other people. Mm. So I went back home for the summer, um, kind of feeling on fire, I guess, for mm. Jesus. I was like talking to my friends from high school and even in college about what had just happened and just trying to share my faith with them. Yeah. Um, I read through the Bible while I was back home that summer, went to the church with my mom and dad while I was there. And when I came back in the fall quarter, I was like, okay, I need to find a church um, community. Cause I read a lot in the New Testament about the value of church mm. and how that's kind of God's plan to use his people to be a blessing to, to the world here today. I felt like, oh, I need to find a church when I get back um, to college. So that fall quarter, um, I checked out a few um, groups. And Amir, at the time, he was in university, so I would go with him to university events. Mm -hmm. I was really looking for a group where it was like a church and a fellowship. So the people I was doing, like, Christian life within the week, I'd also worship with them on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how um, I ended up coming to our church. I met a guy named Tim Choi. I don't know if you've you've heard of Tim Choi. Tim but. Choi. <laughs> Tim Choi. Yes, he's one of my peers. Hey, yeah. interestingly enough... You met Tim, yeah, and then Huna also met Tim. She yeah, was the he was the first person she met. Exactly, and so both the Chicago staff from LA, yeah. met my peer, Tim yeah, Choi. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I know. <laughs> so you met Tim. <laughs> yeah, so crazy. Yeah, I met yeah. Tim. Um, I actually prayed the night before I met him too. Like, hey, like God, I'm I'm trying to find a community to get plugged into. Wow. Yeah. And I want to be in a place where I can really grow my relationship with you and really not, you know, compromise my faith that I just I just got um, to making that decision to follow Jesus. So. The next day I went to the dining hall, um, walked in and sat down at this round table. And then like literally like two minutes after, like Tim comes and sits across from me and tells me about um, our church. I tell, yeah, I tell him about like my story and stuff. I became That's Christian crazy. and he yeah. invites me to our welcome night at UCLA. That was happening, I think, two, three days after. So I came to that, um, really liked it. And I think I was really like struck by what I think I was really struck by for our, our church was seeing a lot of older like dudes involved like in serving jesus like that was a picture i hadn't really seen before it was more like passive attendance in nigeria like you know older guys would just come with their families and just kind of go home for the rest of the week but not really involved in ministry so seeing people like especially guys who are actively involved in it 
and their wives also being involved with it too. Like I thought that was really, really neat mm. that, Hey, like, you know, this is a picture of what my faith can look like, um, beyond college. I had really no conception of it or what that would be because my only experience of it was like more um, passive attendance type of Christianity. So that really drew me in. Um, that's how I started coming uh, to our church my sophomore year mm. of college. Wow. That's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that some, some of that stuff. Um, so this is a slight, slight shift in topic here, but, um, um, I, I'm curious because, you know, you, you kind of, I mean, you were born in the U S but you came from Nigeria, mm-hmm. you know, for college. Yeah. So, um, could you, could you just tell me like one or two things that were kind of a culture shock for you? Like yeah. just, it could be like just larger culture stuff, or it could be about like church culture, like mm-hmm. Nigerian church versus, uh, I, I guess, you know, your, maybe your main experience here is our church, but yeah. kind of, um, yeah. So either of those or, or maybe both, yeah. like what was a culture shock? Thing? Yeah, sure. Um, I think one thing that, um, caught me off guard initially was, um, it seems it's kind of subtle, but like, um, conversation etiquette, like Nigeria is really big respect culture. Like mm. you have all these like honorifics and stuff you mm. used to call people. Like for example, most people older than me, I would never call by their first name, especially mm. not like professors or people at work. Like I'll call you like Mr. Park or something. Mm. Um, just because you, you can call me Mr. I, sure. <laughs> <laughs> In Korean culture, it's like that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You can, you can call me Young. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> what is this place? Why is he yeah. calling him that? <laughs> yeah. So that was like initially a shock for me because mm. I grew up like you know you have to call your teacher like Mr. Mrs. So on so forth and uncles aunties you have to call them by certain things and even the way you greet people too kind of depended on like age. So it's like this whole bowing thing too. We do for people who are older than us and Oh, do Nigerians bow? Is there a bowing yeah. culture? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. And kind of like the older the person is, the lower the bow is oh, basically. I see, I see. So that's kind of how it was, but right, this right, is right. really big, like focus on like, you know, respecting older people and right, stuff like right. that. So coming here and seeing people call like the professors, their parents <laughs> by their first name. Yeah, like, yeah. That was like, Whoa, that I can't wild. believe this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You just did what? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like really like initially a shocker for me. So mm-hmm. I had to get used to that. Um, but differences with church. So the churches I went to growing up um, were Pentecostal churches. So okay. if you're familiar with like the Protestant branch um, of Christianity, like they're kind of the more like char- charismatic type of churches. So um, yeah, like a lot of like, you know, speaking in tongues and, and that whole thing, which mm-hmm. was even like, you know, more confusing for me, like mm-hmm. when I was in middle school and high school. So right, right, right. I think coming here and I know there's some churches like that in the U.S., but I felt like our, our church was a little bit more like low barrier for for people who weren't as familiar with all that stuff. Because um, you, you were sort of in a position where you were yeah, seeking, actually, exactly. even though you grew up in church. Yeah. 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 So you were trying to figure out if, if you believe this or not. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so then definitely like, you know, I, I think that's one of the beauties of the diversity of the church, mm-hmm. that even just the, uh, kind of uh, what different denominations or uh, um, what they emphasize and things like that. Yeah. Like, I think the fact that we have these different groups who emphasize different aspects of Christian discipleship and Christian theology mm-hmm. um, gives people who have different needs a yeah. chance to try a, a different kind. Exactly. Right. And cause that was my experience too. I mean, I mean, I went from Presbyterian Presbyterian church growing up to, mm-hmm. to, I guess, you know, our churches, uh, you know, Southern Baptist, but mm-hmm. you know, so the, I guess the jump there is not as big, but still like some of the expressions of faith or kind of the way that 
the um, kind of the faith is understood or, or, or spoken about. I, I found it much more palatable the yeah. way that our church understood or kind of ex- expressed the gospel. Yeah, and so, yeah. um, I, I found that to be helpful in my journey too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, super helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. Um, yeah, this is so interesting to hear about the Nigerian culture actually, because Korean culture is very hierarchical mm-hmm. too. And so, I, I mean, I. I you know, grew up in the U.S., so I didn't feel it. By I felt the tension through my parents. Yeah, my parents who would constantly tell me that, like, you know, like America. I mean, they're generalizing, but they're like <laughs> Americans have no respect for their elders. You know, it's, like, I'm like, I think it's just different. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting. Yeah. yeah All yeah. right. So um, so let's let's shift gears now and let's mm-hmm. let's get into this topic um. Um, of exercise okay? yes. or, or kind of, I guess the general topic is about like, is about health, um, is about uh, physical health and then being kind of a, a, a person who has physical discipline. Mm-hmm. So like, why, why is that a, an important topic for you? Yeah. Um, so the topic of exercise, like I started getting into exercise, like in high school or so, just into the whole idea of like fitness. Initially it was just more like, a vanity thing like i just wanted to look good um mm. <laughs> the truth comes out yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. i like like i said in our first interview though yeah. i was like i gotta interview tov because he's obviously the buffest guy on our team, so i mean if you're, you're the on our team you're the authority thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man but yeah that's that's probably where it started off just mm-hmm. like okay i want to look good but i think um over time i I kind of like really like the rhythm of, of exercising, like, cause especially like enough, like fully packed day, for example, just getting a chance to mentally unwind, like do something that's a bit more like phys- physically demanding and seeing like the steady, like improvement that kind of happens from that. I think it's a, uh, it's pretty neat. Like from a, yeah, I don't know if whether it's like a self-esteem standpoint or this kind of feeling like this, like mental satisfaction from accomplishing something difficult. I kind of really enjoy that experience um, of exercise. I think that's what that like kind of activates for, for me. Yeah. So when I started off in high school, initially it wasn't really for that, but as time went on and as I continued to try to like do different things to get stronger, more agile and fit, um, I think I learned a lot of like physical discipline from, from that, or even just schedule discipline as well, keeping to like a certain time um, to, to get those things in. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you mentioned um, like a physical discipline, but, and, and maybe that fits into this, but kind of how, how has your, how has kind of fitness or, you know, your workout routine, things like that, how does that fit in with like you as a Christian or you as a disciple of Christ? Like where, where do those interplay if at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think in terms of the, the discipline aspect of it, so like, yeah, when you exercise and you can get into a routine for that like there's the physical discipline component of being able to stick to that schedule um actually push through and finish like whatever you have on you know your workout agenda for that particular day but i think also how it translated for me was into like other areas of discipline too like with my my time for example like <clears throat> so for for one thing when i was in college and i wanted to get more consistent with like reading the bible for example because i'd had that like past experience with you know, getting up in the morning to exercise or doing it at different par- times of the day, it wasn't as much of like a drama for me to have that like set time that I would use to study God's word or to pray in college. Um, so that's one way that that manifested for me. Tov, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about like, so what is your um, like weekly 
routine look like right now for sure. working out? Like, yeah, um, yeah. So my current weekly routine is I kind of go when I can. <laughs> like, <is> it- <laughs> it's funny because of what you just said. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. we're laughing I right know. now. <laughs> but it's yeah. I know that part of that's because you're adjusting to this new reality. Yeah. What is the new re- reality that you're you're in now? I'm married. You're a married man yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. How long have you been married now? I've been married for oh yeah, it's going on. Um, oh man, five oh, months or so. Five months? Yeah. It's yeah. It's been five so. months already. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, five months, and then you transition to a new team, a new, team new city, yeah. right, and things like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and and uh, and then you know, ministry's been kind of up busy. So yeah, you know, yeah. I think you're still trying to work that out. But yeah, so so kind of how do you how do you think about your like weekly weekly schedule in terms of your exercise? Yeah, yeah, of course. So like I mentioned, I just try to kind of go wherever. But where that kind of lands now is like like two to four times or so per week. Um, so I'm actually really big on stretching, actually. Mm-hmm. I think um, whenever I work out, I probably spend, like, maybe up to half an hour or so stretching. Mm. And part of that is, like, you know, getting into the zone, like, to be able to push hard for however long I'm going to lift and stuff. But also it's for, like, injury prevention. Um, so I really enjoy that whole process of, like, kind of slowing down my RPMs after, like, you know, a busy day or a busy set of tasks and um, getting, like, my mind focused for what I'm about to do. So I stretch a lot first and then... I do like some, I kind of alternate between like biking and doing some core workouts mm. or doing this thing called HIT. So HIT is H-I-I-T, stands for high intensity interval training. And it's basically workouts where you're jumping between different kinds of activities with minimal breaks in between. So the idea is you want to try to put your body through a lot of like strain in a short amount of time. And what that helps with is building like overall strength and, and athleticism. Um, so I really enjoy those workouts too because they don't necessarily take as long. Like you can do like a 30 minute hit workout and still be burning calories like, you know, several hours afterwards. Oh, it's really? because of the rigor of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I really enjoy those because it's more like um, time conducive, I guess, for, for a busier schedule. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Dang, when you said you uh, spent 30 minutes stretching, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even spend thirty minutes working out. Right now, so. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. but we, we've we have noticed the the stretching because um, Kata has uh, <laughs> observed on multiple occasions <laughs> when, when Tof is uh, hanging out at our house, just spontaneously he'll bust out into a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> after which, some of the other staff will also start stretching, yeah. <laughs> and then you get this like we just have a bunch of dudes on the on the floor stretching yeah. in our living room. It's quite a sight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that Tove can uh, bring that bring that to our team here. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. So, kind of coming back to um, like, yeah, what is the role of exercise like for a Christian? Like, like, are there any kind of scriptural things? Not to like proof text or anything, but just kind of like, how, how do you understand like exercise to uh, be a part of uh, your kind of growth as a a christian minister or a christian disciple yeah for sure um so i think in terms of physical discipline there's some verses like in the bible that kind of don't explicitly like say hey you should work out but it kind of connotes like the people who do show that physical discipline and how kind of matches up with the kind of life we should lead as christians so second timothy 2 um which is paul's letter to the disciple timothy 
the first few verses kind of share this idea. Like verses three to six say, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Like each of these people, the soldier, the um, athlete, and the farmer have to exhibit good physical discipline actually to accomplish their their goal. Um, so for the soldier, it's like, you know, he has his mission that he has to do. Um, but it, because of all the training he's been able to do and get adjusted to, like he his sense of self or his view of himself is very clear like hey i'm not here for like you know to be in pursuits or whatever but it's to accomplish like the mission i have in front of me mm. and then the athlete is like yeah that same idea of maintaining discipline over a long period of time so at that particular event or moment you're ready like you're ready to go so i think those like kind of themes of of physical discipline that i get to experience a little bit from exercise kind of help me in like um conceptualizing like what that means for me as a Christian minister as well. Like as I'm physically disciplined, it's in the mind of like, yeah, I want to be ready like for, <clears throat> for those opportunities that God presents to me, like in interacting with people or yeah, yeah, sharing yeah. the gospel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing you mentioned earlier when you were talking about working out is that um, part, part of the discipline that you gained is it's not just like, you know, going at the same time every mm -hmm. week, it's, it's that stuff, but it's also finishing the regiment that you, yeah. you're supposed to do that day, right? Yeah. Like, there's a sort of a mental aspect to it where mm -hmm. when you start like maybe halfway through, you're like, ah, uh, or like, you know, you're going to do 10 reps, but at, at the ninth rep, yeah. you're like, uh, I don't, <laughs> and then, you know, but then when you yeah. push through and you do that last one, there's some, there's some muscle that you're building. That's not the just physical muscle, exactly. but it's, it's this kind of um, a denial of the flesh in a way, yeah. the denial of, like what your body's crying out for you to stop. Yeah. You just, you push through. Yeah. And, and so, and so when we, when we kind of, you know, not to like over spiritualize working out, but like, you know, there is something to when we exercise and exercise discipline, when we exercise, mm -hmm. like that can actually build into our character. Yeah. Right. Which is yeah. actually, um, so in any way that we can do that is helpful. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I think school does that for people. Totally. Like the fact that you have to like show up to class and you mm -hmm. have to like do homework and yeah. like, and then, and then work does that for people. Like you, you know, you got to meet your deadlines yeah. and again, you got to show up like, yeah. right. And do things that you don't want to do like that. That's very beneficial towards this larger goal of becoming people who can also discipline ourselves right. in the Christian life. Yeah. And exactly. I think exercise is, you know, one of the ways in which that happens. Mm -hmm. I, and my experience is that people who did like sports, yeah. were on sports teams, like, um, you know, I think about people who are in the military, um, like people tend to have greater self-discipline. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that actually goes a long way in towards kind of Christian maturity as well. Yeah. And, and kind of growing in your character. So yeah, yeah I can right definitely on. see those advantages. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I know we talked about like the, the soldier military analogies, but I remember you mentioned to me before that you did a ROTC, right? And when you were in high school. Yeah. yeah um, junior, junior ROTC cool. in high school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little different from the college one, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Why did you decide to, to do that? And do you feel like um, from your experiences with that, you're able to kind of cultivate that character uh, that you just described and translating that into Christian life? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I think so. I mm -hmm. think that, uh, so I did, JROTC kind of on a whim actually because mm. uh, how it happened for me I actually didn't even know what it was until I went to uh, you know when I was in eighth grade we uh, you know I got into Troy High School I mm. tested in and then 
uh, I went to this meeting where you're supposed to sign up for all your classes. And then yeah. the guy who was sitting across from me just happened to be like, I was like, oh, are you signing up for PE? And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to do like ROTC instead. I was like, oh, what's ROTC? And then he like <laughs> kind of explained it to me. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, I'll, I'll do it with you. And yeah. then I just signed up. Uh, but I actually really liked it. I, I really liked the experience of, mm -hmm. um, and, and it does. It, so I think that is where a lot of my, my, I think my discipline came from my upbringing too, but then. Um, in, in ROTC, like you have to, there's a lot of rules mm -hmm. or there's a lot of rules that are, some of them are slightly unreasonable. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, you have to like speak a certain way or, you know, on certain days you have to dress a certain way. Right. Cause mm -hmm. we have uniform days, for example. And, yeah. and then on uniform days, there's all sorts of hierarchy involved, right. Depending on what rank you are within the unit. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, things like even like on campus, like even outside of the classroom, right? Like, you know, you see an officer, ROTC officer, you have to salute them. Yeah. Right? And they have to salute you back and you can't move until they salute you back. Like mm. there's all this like military etiquette and things like that, that um, you learn and you learn to kind of submit to. Mm -hmm. And I think that was um, a big part of kind of how that got built in me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, yeah. And then the physical aspect of it, um, uh, you know, twice a week we would do training and then, you know, for competitions, we do physical training. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's basic, um, basic stuff like push-ups and sit-ups and, mm -hmm. and a uh, hundred meter dash and, and, and things like that. But then we would train for that. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, because we, and, and, and then in the ROTC room, we had actually, a we had, um, like weights and things like that. And, oh, nice. and so we would do that too. And I think a lot of it was for the vanity. <laughs> we just want to look good, yeah. to be honest. Uh, I don't know how much that helped our individual events uh, in terms of the competition, but um, yeah, that that was a you know a part of our experience, which I think you know all contributed to. Mm. I don't know. Like at that point in my life, I think it was character building. So. Yeah, yeah. I knew that that early too, like in high school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. So what? Um, so like what advice would you give to someone who like wants to get more into physical training? Um, yeah. Like, uh, what, what's a good way to start or what would you recommend? Yeah. Um, I'd recommend like, you know, if you're not sure what, what you're doing in there, like to go with a friend. Uh, yeah. Go with a friend on maybe like your first time going and you guys can do something simple. Like maybe you can just stretch and like use the, you know, the treadmill or something or like the bike. Um, something to initially like get the cardio in. I think cardio is probably like a good first base to to build on because um, that's that's probably more useful for day to day life than like you know a lot of the like lifting weight stuff. Ma mainly, so I say start there. Um, there's also a lot of good like guides and stuff like online for workouts to do because also depending on your schedule, like you probably can't give like you know two hours to a workout. You might just have 30, 45 minutes. There's some good like um, resources out there as well um, for, you know, workouts that you can do and stuff. So, mm. yeah. Or you can, you know, hit me up and I'll help put a plan together for you or something. <laughs> nice. I, might, I might take you up on yeah, that. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like, uh, man, like I, I feel like when when I was in college, um, I don't know if you know this, but for my freshman year, I went to the gym every day. Oh, cool. Yeah, I went to the gym every day for about, I, I want to say on average three hours. Wow. Yeah. So I would, I would work, work out and stretch for over an hour <laughs> and then, and then I would play racquetball for like two hours. Wow. I loved racquetball. So that was sort of my cardio. Yeah. Um, and then I would swap the order in which I did that because if you do, if you work out before, then your racquetball yeah. game's like all messed up because yeah. you're like so tired. Mm -hmm. But then like, 
it's the other way too, right? So exactly. But if you play racquetball first, then you can't like lift properly, yeah. right? So then, yeah, and and I don't know, like that that was a big part of my life, and yeah. I, I think it just goes to show how much time I had mm. freshman year. Yeah, um, three hours is crazy. Three hours is a lot of time. Um, and and then I would like run, and then my dorm was fifteen minutes away from the mm. gym, so then I would like run there and run back. So wow, um, I was super into health. Um, I think that carried over from ROTC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then um, <laughs> nowadays. Um, you can't tell that I used to do that. <laughs> That's my confession. Yeah. Kat has been telling me recently that I, I should um, maybe do some sit-ups or something. So I don't know what that means. I, I do know what it means, actually. Yeah. So, Tope, I might take you up on that offer. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to Ratner together. Yeah. All right. The last question on this topic, but um, do you do you have a favorite uh, a powder that you use or... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I use Orgain. Um, Orgain is a plant-based protein powder. So I typically use that after I've like lifted weights or done a hit workout or something. Um, But yeah, I usually like make a nice like smoothie out of it too. Um, If you have a blender, I just pretty much put like a banana, a peanut butter, honey, and the powder, like almond milk or something into a blender and then just... Sounds that. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized too after doing that, like, because I used to actually go to Jamba Juice, like, almost after every workout I did. In oh college. my gosh. Yeah. And I then I'll not grow broke. I know, exactly. <laughs> like, it's so much money. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did all that. But it's so easy to make the stuff they make, I realized. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I can ever step foot in the Jamba Juice again. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I, I use the organ protein powder um, okay. for, for me personally. Yeah. All right. Nice. All right. Well, um, if you have any follow-up questions for Tove, you'll have to uh, <laughs> just ask him in person, all right? Um, Sweet. <laughs> so we're going to shift topics here, okay? And we're going to hit this other topic that you mentioned um, that um, you have some thoughts about and experience with. And um, it's this whole topic of, like, money, right? Yeah. Like, God and money. Like, how money is such a, a big part of our lives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you need money to live and survive and to be in this world. Um, yeah. Um, and yet money is... Uh, a topic that Jesus spoke on often mm-hmm. had a lot of warnings about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then it's a topic that I feel like people in the church feel like they can't really talk about, or, you know, it's like yeah. one of these things that's considered like off limits. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which I, I don't quite understand because like, you know, like because it's such a big part of our lives, shouldn't we talk about it? And exactly. shouldn't we have kind of a, a biblical understanding of what it looks like to handle that well, to be good, like we're stewards of our lives mm-hmm. and we're stewards of everything that God has given us. Right. Including our money. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. So why don't we, um, like, why don't we talk about this? Like what are, what are some big things that come to mind with regards to money? Like, um, like what, what are some things that you would want to talk about? If, if that topic gets introduced? Yeah. Yeah. So I think what I'll be interested in talking about with regards to money, um, cause I'm a super like practical person. Like I, you know, I keep a budget and like track all my expenses and stuff like that. Um, and so like, as a result, I can kind of see how, like, if you're someone who tends in that direction, you can be kind of like overly anxious about, about money, like primarily like, having enough money to like, you know, meet your day-to-day expenses, but also to like save for the future and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably something that pops up to mind for me. Um, but also to like the idea, like the Bible presents of how it is more blessed to to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. I think that really manifests itself too in this area of money. So 
I think yeah, those are two particular topics I'm, I'm really interested in. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you as kind of a practical person, you also have a kind of a background in finance, I guess, yeah. or accounting, uh, and mm-hmm. and so you're good with numbers. You and maybe you like the kind of experience of knowing where exactly where all of your money goes. Yeah. And do you keep track of it like on a daily basis or like yeah. Kind of- so initially, I was doing it on a daily basis, but I think it was too much. Mm-hmm. So now I just do. Um, I think all my spending pretty much now is just done with my like credit cards and debit cards so i just pull like a bank statement and you kind of um, look at it monthly or something yeah like look that. at it monthly yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah, just to make sure idea. everything looks okay yeah so so you mentioned like okay so then that causes anxiety could you talk a little bit more about how that plays out like what do you mean by that um yeah what are some potential kind of the negative aspects of this kind of practical approach that you're talking about yeah yeah so i think part of it is is that so I think it would probably be helpful to speak a little bit more to like why I kind of have this, sure, this uh-huh. view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so growing up, I mentioned before, like going to Nigeria, growing up in Nigeria and then coming to the U.S. for for college. Um, while I was in Nigeria, I went to a private school. Um, so generally public school education like here in the States, you don't have to pay for but private schools. You have to pay. It's the same back in Nigeria. But I was going to a school that was uh, one of the better ones in the state that I was in. And so it costs a relatively high amount of money to be able to get through through school. And so my dad was the one primarily paying for for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think over time, the ec- economic situation in Nigeria started to worsen up a little bit. And it became a lot harder for my dad to be able to meet those um, payments, basically. Like each period of time where a payment was due, he'd get really anxious about it, um, not really knowing where the money's going to come from. And he was really like, you know, transparent with, about all that with us, my brother and I. So he didn't necessarily really like shield us from, from that picture. So my experience of that was like, oh man, like I, n- I don't want to ever have this feeling of not having enough money. Mm. Like I don't want to ever be in this position where I'm worried about where the next, like, you know, um, piece of cash is going to come from if I'll be able to cover emergencies or just cover like the needs for myself and my family. I just really didn't like how that experience made me feel. Mm. So I think from that age, I kind of resolved like, okay, like I, I need to have enough enough money so i think in some way too like um like when i first started working and making money now um i started getting that sense a little bit more like oh man now i actually am making money like i feel like the, those desires kind of creeping in a little bit sometimes like oh i want to make sure i have enough to care for myself and also you know prepare for the future hmm. um so i think um because of that in the background yeah like being so like you know on top of this is where my money is going it's kind of it kind of caused me to then start to think like oh like do I have enough that I'm putting forward to like the future? And if like an emergency happens, like, you know, will I be okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how like, yeah, my past kind of informed like the way I started to view money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like seeing your, seeing how your dad mm-hmm. lived and kind of the anxieties that he experienced mm-hmm. um, made you want to not, not have that. Exactly. Right? And, and I, I think, you know, that resonates a lot with my story too. Cause, mm-hmm. um, cause, cause for me, um, you know, my parents kind of up until I was in early high school, you know, I would say they were like doing okay, uh, upper middle class, but a couple of things like multiple things happened at once, uh, which were bad. Like, um, first of all, my dad was in the video store business. This mm. is like, you know, like, like blockbuster, oh, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But then that, that industry came crashing down when YouTube exactly. came on the scene. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and then Redbox started and then Netflix started. And so mm. then that, 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 <laughs> it disappeared, basically yeah. that industry. And so then he, you know, he, he kind of lost everything with regards to his business. And then he got into some, some other trouble stuff that I won't get into here, but 
basically that caused him to have to um, um, be out of the country, and then mm. he had a hard time work finding work there, and 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 then he was sort of out of the picture for a little bit, and so wow. kind of complicated. But basically, our family didn't have a source of income. Mm-hmm. Dad was the only one who had worked at the time. So then my mom, who doesn't speak very good English, you know, she she tried to like find odd jobs and things like that, but she had a lot of health issues, and so then she couldn't really work. Yeah. So then my experience of being in college during the college years, at least was that like my family had no income. Yeah. And so like our main income was, or like my, my mom had some savings left that she Mm -hmm. was living off of, um, that was going to last a few years. And then, and then for me, like all my income was basically like financial aid I received as well as working during the summers. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so then I remember feeling super anxious about the future Mm because I'm like, we're like, for the foreseeable future my mom has no income yeah right so then i, I know i'm gonna have to support her and i i just hated that feeling mm. of feeling like i might not have enough in the future yeah right and so that that really drove a lot of my my own personal anxiety around ambition and feeling like i need to do better in school so that mm-hmm. i can get a better job in the future mm-hmm. and all of that so mm-hmm. um so then um kind of coming back to your story so you know so you had this view of money mm-hmm. um from your background so what what helped or kind of what what were things you learned about how we should view money as you kind of became Christian in your freshman year of college and then were discipled into Christian maturity? Like what, what were some of the realizations over the years? Yeah. Um, so this was a big like area of struggle. Yeah. Before becoming Christian and also and also afterwards. But I think what kind of helped initially like with yeah, understanding the Bible's view of money, how it translates to my life was, for one thing, actually just like zooming out a little bit, like zooming out in terms of like seeing my life against like the backdrop of, of eternity, basically. Mm. Like, hey, now I'm only on this earth for a finite amount of time. And when I, you know, I was born without anything. And when I die, I'm not going to have like any possessions take, here. I can't take here. anything with you. Yeah, I can't right? take anything with me. Yeah. So I think that perspective initially helped, helped a bit like, Hey, like, you know, for one thing, I'm not going to be here that long and whatever I am, I amass, I can't take with me, but also because I'm a Christian, I know I'm going to live forever um, with God in heaven. And if that is the case, then yeah, like my, I shouldn't be, my, my anxiety shouldn't be so like focused on like the, the here and now, like that was one, like, perspective shift that I think happened initially when I started to study the Bible and hear more about money. And it's a different thing from, from how that translates, like, you know, into like your actual heart and your conviction. But that was one shift that happened initially. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, yeah, like, you know, this life isn't all that there is. Um, so maybe I should think about this one thing that I only have for this, like 80 years I'm on earth differently. Um, and I think another way that that started to change as well was, actually a lot of Bible verses that kind of on the topic of many really kind of helped me out as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, so what, yeah, let's talk through some of those. Like what, what were some of the, uh, cause there's a lot actually exactly. on money. So yeah. what were some of the ones that you found helpful? Yeah. So one thing that I, one that I found helpful was uh, Matthew six, uh, 19 to 21. Um, I can just read it real quick. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal where your treasure is there your heart will be also um yes i think for one thing with this first like it talks about the idea of heavenly treasure and earthly treasure like the earthly treasures are the ones that 
in essence don't last. Moth, moth and rust destroy and they can be stolen. Mm. But the treasures in heaven are the ones that do last and no one can rob from you. Um, so I was thinking about that idea too because I realized as I was kind of becoming more and more anxious about money, my heart's desire was to amass more and more of it. Because I was like, hey, like maybe I just don't have enough. I should just keep making more. And that ended up making me a lot more anxious too um, as I was, you know, like starting at work and stuff like that too. And I kind of realized that, hey, like, you know, my treasure in my heart is is my money. And so a lot of my mental bandwidth, my emotional bandwidth is really sucked up into that possession that I have. And this verse is saying that what actually should be your treasure is heavenly treasure, which is actually just is people like the people that, um, you know, we do Christian life with here and now, but also that we share the gospel with that we're going to be with in eternity within heaven. So I think as I kind of start to see that more, I was like, oh, yeah, like, of course, like. The money I have now can't last. And I could see how it was making me a lot more anxious in my day-to-day life. Mm. And also even apprehensive about being generous towards others. Mm. And I kind of saw how, but when I looked at the, took stock with the relationships in my life and how the reason I had a lot of those was because of their generosity towards me and mine towards them as well. Um, I found that, oh yeah, that is actually worth, you know, treasuring more. Um, so that, that verse also helped me a lot too in thinking about it in terms of like what's the alternative treasure mm. and how is it like clearly more more valuable than than the one that is occupying my my heart yeah 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 you know a, a, a verse that uh, has really helped me over the years is from first first Timothy 6 where it talks about how the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil mm-hmm. and you know it talks about the love of money right mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that just has stood out to me over the years because of how how much it resonates is true. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen that in my own family's story. Mm. Um, yeah. Again, without going into too much detail, like there was a lot of love of money involved in, in kind of uh, what caused a, a lot of the family strife that I experienced mm. when I was younger, which, you know, which caused strife in my family, which, you know, has since been repaired and kind of mm. healed and forgiven. Um, but um, yeah, I, I just saw that. Um, and, and then I saw it in my own heart, mm-hmm. how like w- during the times where I was living for money and, and, and that's pretty much all I could think about, you know, there's that other passage, right? You can't serve both God and money. Yeah. And I, and I experienced that like almost mm-hmm. personally kind of w- when, when I wanted to live for money, like suddenly the things of God seem so threatening or mm. kind of like so hard, like how, how, how can I do both? Right. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can do poorly in both, but I can't do, I I can't give all of myself to both. Right. Right. So, um, so that's been something that's been uh, kind of helpful for me over the years. So Mm -hmm. now, um, so, you know, there's a lot of warnings in the Bible about money, but, um, but then, so, you know, that's kind of the, the negative view of it. Like, yeah, in terms of our love for it, uh, and, and kind of, we can't serve both. Like we have to be very careful, Mm-hmm. about where our heart is with regards to money. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not all the Bible says about it, obviously. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's, it's not like we're going to have money, right? Like you're going to yeah. have to have money to live. So, mm-hmm. so kind of more practically speaking, like what, what would it look like then to be a good steward of money? Like what are some ways that you, you think about that or have, mm-hmm. have thought about it over the years? Yeah, exactly. So I think um, one thing that kind of helped me with regards to thinking about like, for example, like how to become more, more generous because cause yeah, like I think the two like extremes you kind of see when you talk about money is the person who's like super frugal and stingy and the person who's super generous. And the Bible really elevates the value of generosity um, with our with our money as well. So I think um, 
one thing that I saw in, in scripture, which I actually also came to experience personally in, in life as well, was um, the call to be generous towards like people who are in need or expressing our love through our generosity. Um, so, for example, like in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, when Paul is asking the Corinthian church to give generously, and he cites the Macedonian people who who were actually a really poor church at that at that point in time, but when they heard about other churches in need, they still like brought together what they could with joyous hearts to bless the other church that was in need. And I was thinking about that picture of like, oh man, like imagine like the encouragement that comes like from that church who's in need of being the recipient of a gift like that. And you, you know it's a gift because you don't have to you know pay that church back for what they they did for you. And thinking about how like yeah that probably helped them to meet their immediate needs in their community for the people who are having a hard time at that period. And just thinking about how like, wow, like generosity really has the power to um, bless people and meet people's needs, but also in a way, like make them more thankful to God as well. Like, mm -hmm. cause as that happens, like, you know, it's, it's because of God that the church exists obviously. And so as they experience generosity from one another, it's causing more Thanksgiving to, to happen to God. And many people are able to get closer to God too, as a result of that generosity. So I think, yeah, how that kind of came to life for me as well was I tried to make some small commitments to be generous um, with my money. Um, like in college, I was making that all that much, but I was like, okay, now I still have money now. So how can I start to be more generous with it? Mm. So one thing that we did um, my senior year was that my peers and I kind of got together and were like, hey, like, you know, our church did a lot for us these past four years. Um, our mentors and leaders poured a lot into us with their time and their money um, and their bandwidth to love on us it'd be cool if we could give like a gift or something, mm -hmm. uh, a financial gift to, to the church, kind of like as our gratitude and that they could use for whatever needs the church has. Mm -hmm. And so we all pulled um, cash for that. I'd saved up a bunch of money in college from like my internships and stuff. And I kind of felt like, oh, I'd love to give like a big portion of all that I had amassed over college to express my gratitude for, for the church. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I did. But on a more day-to-day -day basis, um, I tried to like, treat meals that I had like with with younger people like if I for example um I was living in an apartment my senior year like we try to have people over like each week or every week and we would like you know pay for the meal and cook it and all that and put our money towards like expressing our love to them in that way so that's one way that I experienced like the um the blessing of giving on a more regular basis like as I spent money and time to love on people I saw like you know barriers being lowered for mm -hmm. them towards me, us getting closer, but also them, um, their barriers being lower about connecting with God too, through those little acts of generosity. So I think that's kind of how like, um, the value of generosity first came to light for me as I saw that story of how a church was blessed from the generosity of another church. Then also in myself too, seeing how other people were being blessed by my acts of, of generosity too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think my view of money started to be transformed, um, from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning to me, um, beforehand, uh, cause you know, you talked about generosity and, mm -hmm. um, and, th and that is one of the ways in which, um, you know, when we look for passages about money in the Bible, like, yeah, second Corinthians, you know, eight and nine, mm -hmm. that, that whole section about, uh, you know, Paul encouraging the Corinthians to be generous towards, um, the, the Jerusalem church, like yeah. that, that's one of the key passages in mm -hmm. terms of, like how we understand generosity and what we should do with our money. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, um, um, there's, there's passages like the parable of the dishonest manager, right. Where 
given the resources that you have, use it. Use mm-hmm. it right now to win for yourselves, um, win for yourself friends that will um, welcome you into eternity. Right. That yeah. that whole the idea, and then the Matthew passage that you cited earlier. Mm-hmm. So so there's there's that whole thing, um, but you you were mentioning to me earlier about um, a, a kind of a Bible project a podcast that you you heard or maybe yeah. it was a lecture or something. Yeah. Um, about like some guys who did some research mm-hmm. on what the Bible says about money. Like, could you yeah. tell, tell us a little about that? Cause I thought that was super interesting. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So as I was doing some more research on the topic of money, when I was in college and kind of wrestling with what it looked like to surrender it, um, I started listening to different resources, like audiobooks about it. And I came across this podcast from the Bible project. Uh, it's called God and money. You can find it on any podcast streaming site. I feel like an advertiser, but, but basically, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love the Bible project. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. They're awesome. So what they do is that they, they interview these two guys um, who are in like their mid twenties from Harvard business school, um, going there to get their MBAs and leave, leave business school with the, you know, higher earning potential and being able to earn more money, but they're both Christian. So coming into HBS, they, um, decided to take this religion class together during their MBA program. And during that religion class, they took, um, a section of that class was devoted to the study of money in the Bible, like what the Bible has to say about money. And they said that they were basically shocked at how much the Bible had to say about money as they studied it um, together as a class. And, um, as a result of that, they felt convicted to really decide, Hey, like, you know, we're two young guys who are making quite a lot of money, um, coming out of college. And after leaving Harvard business school, probably going to make even way more. Like, what does it look like for us to actually steward our money properly? Mm-hmm. Um, especially because of the fact that we're going to have so much, like you described the parable of the, the dishonest manager, like, what are you going to do with the resources allocated to you while you're here on earth? And I thought that was really interesting because these are people who, like, at least, like, you know, before I became Christian, we're in the position I wanted to be in. Like, you're having a lot of money and abundance of resources. Um, but, yeah, kind of what they ended up concluding on was, as they saw what the Bible had to say about money, there was also a lot that had to say, too, about simple living, like being content with what you have, like in Hebrews 13, 5. And they kind of felt like, hey, like, practically what this might look like for us, maybe it just means um, having a simple standard of living and not, continually upgrading our standard of living because we have the money or the means to. Mm. So like, even though like they potentially be making like high six figures after leaving HBS, like practically looking at, okay, what do we actually need in a given month to meet our like urgent bills, like our childcare, um, our rent, uh, health and all that stuff. Like as a baseline set, what that is and anything we make in excess of that, we're just going to use that to be generous towards, towards people mm. and towards, towards, um, God's mission work at our respective churches and other organizations around the world. That's kind of what they decided on basically like, Hey, like, you know, we don't actually need this much money in our day-to-day lives. Mm. So what we're going to do is that we're going to take a stock of what we need for a given month and what our current standard of living is and just commit to not upgrading that constantly as we make more money. Mm. And that way they said they would be able to, at least they hoped they would be able to kind of like limit like the creep of, money on uh, upon their hearts and wanting to listen to invest in themselves and in their their families more and more but instead um continue to commit to being generous towards people as they made more mm. i thought that was really really helpful um for me like being a super practical person because it's pretty easy then to kind of see okay what does my like base level monthly expenses look like yeah. and thus like how much room do i have with that to to be generous like you know right. we talk about tithing and stuff like that too but 
I think generosity should be like limited to just your tithe. Like there's a lot of opportunities to be generous each and every day. And that kind of helped me to see, okay, this is like the full extent of the room that I had to be generous. And it's yeah. much more than like what I, what I tithe. So yeah. 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 No, I, I love that. I, I, I love that um, story you told, uh, you know, or, you know, from the podcast, the summary and because, cause I, I personally find that really challenging. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, I mean, it's it's not an idea that's new because mm -hmm. uh, we talk about that at our church. I think yeah. the language that we use is something like "let's not raise our standard of living." Yeah, right. Let's let's commit to a modest living. Let's con let's commit to uh, being people who are mindful of other people's needs, so yeah. that we can be like the Axu Church. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the Axu Church was pretty radical. I mean, people were selling their possessions because yeah. like, they were liquidating things so that they could like provide for their brother who was in need. Right. Yeah. So, I Incredible. mean, that's pretty radical. And and then. Um, you know, so, so kind of this picture of like, well, okay, like God has given me money and, um, I will learn to be content with, mm -hmm. with the, the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Like with, you know, like God believes in us, you know, having enough food and having clothing and he, you know, he said he would provide. And so he does the, the excess of it, like we can use to be generous. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I really like that because, you know, you brought up tithe, um, you know, which, you know, so I guess, you know, it's like a whole topic in itself. Yeah. But, you know, people talk about how like, oh, tithing, you know, that's, you know, I've heard, you know, a lot of people talk about this, like how tithing is like an Old Testament concept and so yeah. it doesn't apply to us. And like, I, I, I agree with that, like from an exegetical perspective, mm -hmm. like, um, uh, but then like tithing is also a very helpful concept mm -hmm. because like, you know, the, the whole point was that like a portion of like what you receive yeah. from the Lord, like you see it as from the Lord. And mm -hmm. so we give it back. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's an act of faith. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then kind of the historical 10% understanding has been uh, kind of a, it's a, it's like a helpful tool. I yeah, think it's a exactly. helpful starting point, but that's exactly what it is. It's a starting point. Mm -hmm. And when people say, Oh, the tithe does not apply to the new Testament. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree. And, 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 and I think, you know, people like William Lane Craig and, uh, other commentators I've I've kind of read on this would agree that actually what we're called to is a lot more than ten percent. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Especially in the kind of culture we live in in America, mm -hmm. where people, frankly, make absurd some absurd amounts of money. Yeah. Right. Like, so, you know, like 10 percent in in subsist uh, subsistence living situation mm -hmm. is very different from ten percent when you're making like. Yeah. You know, six figures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what you're left over with is like more than kings used to have, exactly. right? So it's like, yeah. uh, so it, yeah. And, and, and I remember coming across that that idea as a college student as well. You know, William Lane Craig, I remember did this analysis on the Old Testament and, you know, just even the kinds of the things that the is common Israelite was expected to bring. And mm -hmm. the, actually, if you add up everything, like all the different offerings and all the, like the estimate is, is something like 25 to 40%. Yeah. Right. It, I mean, it was far above 10%. Right. right so, yeah. So, so that has been always a, a kind of a challenging thing in my mind. Yeah. And then kind of also remembering the, the really the, the principle in the new Testament is again, from second Corinthians nine, where, where it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not mm. reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Right. Yeah. So we, we have to kind of give out of our own conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, but the tithing thing is sort of just a good starting point exactly. right, for people when they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so then I really like that Bible project um, kind of example you gave, because these guys are saying like, yeah, like w the way we should think about it is the other way. It's not mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, what little, 
what's the amount that I should give? Yeah. And then the rest is for me versus, mm -hmm. okay, what do I need? Yeah. What is God providing me for my need? Yeah. And then everything else is something that I can be generous with. Exactly. And I, I feel like we don't live up to that, mm. frankly. Like, you know, yeah. myself, you know, our, our, our church at large, like, I, I don't know if we can say we live that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, that's like, um, that's an ideal to kind of almost strive for, for. Yeah. And aspire to. So, right on. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. I really yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, of course. That was super challenging for me as well when I first heard it. I think it really, like, I don't know if revolutionized my view of money is the right term to use, but, yeah, it really changed that up for me, uh, my expectations around it as well. Yeah, all right. Well, um, I think we got to wrap up soon, but do you have any, um, as I always do, do you have any questions for me now, now that, you know, we've been talking for a while, chance to do a little reverse Q&A any any questions that you have for me with regards to anything that we talked about today um yeah let's see so hmm yeah I guess when you were in college you, you talked a bit about like that kind of feeling of oh man like all, all the income that my family makes is from from my mom um and not really having enough like against that backdrop like how did you try to like practice living this out of being generous towards towards other people yeah um i think a lot of it was um it's it's one thing that you mentioned it, it's similar where I, I tried to be generous towards like younger brothers that i'm i was trying to reach out to mm -hmm. uh, my friends um you know but just buying meals for people like yeah. I, th I didn't have that much money mm -hmm. so um because again my you know i had but i, I had financial aid but yeah. you know, a lot of that went went to our tuition and and for sure to ruben board and things like that but um uh and whatever i i did uh whenever i had a chance I, I tried to be generous i think two concrete things that i did that besides those examples is um one is that i i um took on a compassion child mm. uh, in college and so yeah you know, compassion is one of these programs where uh you know you send I think at the time it was like $30 a month. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then you get paired up with a child who then gets um, a day of, you know, a week of schooling or not a week, but like, you know, provide schooling as well as I think one meal and, and also Bible education. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're basically partnering with a local church. Yeah. And so I, I took on a child and that felt like a lot at that time, like mm -hmm. you know, $30 a, a month. And, but I think that was one of the ways in which I, I learned to kind of expand my sphere of concern. Right. And, and, yeah. And like no one's, saying that I have to do this, but mm -hmm. like, why, why shouldn't I like $30 a month? I mean, that's like, you know, 10 coffees or wh whatever mm -hmm. it is. Like, I, you know, I can make that work. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something I did. Um, and then kind of not allowing money to be a barrier to experience God. So I think one of the things mm -hmm. like, for, for example, I went on three mission trips by the time I graduated from grad school and each of those missions, you know, they were international mission trips. And so those were expensive. Yeah. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> so part of that, you know, I, I funded out of, you know, whatever savings I had, but then I had to raise funds. I had mm -hmm. to, um, ask my network of, you know, friends to, to chip in and, you know, and then like, so then, you know, when I had my summer jobs and things like that, I knew that part, part of that was going to be towards, towards, towards that, yeah. kind of, that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, you know, that's not, I, I didn't spend everything on, um, you know, <laughs> on, you know, on others, you know, like, I mean, the reality is that, you know, I did like photography and things like that. And, you know, it's, yeah, an, expensive, it's an expensive hobby. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, some of my money went towards those things too. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think kind of my point in telling those stories is sort of, um, I, I had 
I, I try to make decisions to try to grow in those areas. Yeah. Right? And I think each of us has to continue to do that. Right. And, yeah. to, and so you, even for us now, even for me, like as a full-time person, like I make a lot less money than I used to, mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, when I was working at Salesforce, but then like trying to find ways where I can be generous or if, mm-hmm. if we have a little bit of extra that month for whatever reason, like instead of like gobbling that up for myself, like, uh, you know, like how can, how can we use this to be a blessing or whatever? Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, those are the ways that I think continue to try to live that out. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks DP. All right. Well, I think that's it. Um, thanks Toe for uh, coming on and, and telling us about exercise and money yeah. and also about your, your spiritual journey. Yeah. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, I know today we, um, kind of covered, uh, some topics that are like specific in nature and, uh, you might have like follow up questions, things that you're curious about. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you to fill out the AMA form, ask me anything form. And uh, if you have questions about exercise, physical discipline, money, generosity, um, definitely fill that form out. And then we will do an AMA episode to answer some of those questions. All right. Well, that's it for today. Bye. Bye. Bye.